Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Terrors. I'm Teresa. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Terra Astralis. This episode is a local case. It's actually based in Adelaide. And for those... How did I not know anything about this case? (laughs) Did you really not know that? I mean, I probably did somewhere in the recess of my mind. Like, I know... Summerton Beach is kind of, like, around the Glenelg area. Is it? Yeah. That's why he's named Summerton Man? Yes. Because he was found on Summerton Beach. Oh. You're... I thought they identified him and it was someone Summerton. No. Wow, I really know nothing. <laughs> okay, this is a mystery case. A case that has been left unsolved unsolved for the last 70 plus years. So this was back in the 1940s that this happened. It, That's going to be fun. No, it'll be like 80, close to 80 years then. I Almost love now. cases in like the 40s and 50s because I just love watching how police work. <laughs> <laughs> if the they police do. actually... <laughs> They did. Uh, I won't lie. They did a pretty. They the they time? tried. For the they time? fucking no. They actually really tried. I mean, but they also didn't have access to like anything. No, they didn't. So but, like, good for them then. Yeah, like when they couldn't source any more sources within the region where they found the body. Body. They actually spread out to the rest of Australia. Oh yeah, good well, on them. They actually tried. They weren't twisting their handlebar mustaches and going mm, pride. You know, like no, that wasn't it. <laughs> Puffing no, my chest out like a fucking actually, rooster. Did it, <laughs> I I believe that they did a pretty good job. That's good. I'm glad. So this is about the Summerton man, and for anyone who doesn't know who this man is, this is a man who was found unidentified on the beach one morning, and police have yet to identify him. Do you know what? I know a few things from this case. Because, like, everybody in Australia knows this case. But unless you actually fully research it, you don't know all the nitty-gritty. Yeah. yeah. I have listened to podcast episodes about this and stuff like that, but none even remotely recently. Right. And I have the mental capacity of a French fry, so we should be <laughs> fine. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to put a trigger warning here, and I will put some throughout as well. It's not a violent case, because uh, it just isn't, it isn't about really the murder. It's about identifying the man in this case. But there are some mentions of possible suicide. So if anyone is a bit sensitive about the topic or the mentioning of suicide, I would recommend not listening to this case, because I will be bringing it up here and there. Um, otherwise, sit and tight. This is a very interesting case and it is very long. I do believe we're going to have to have this in two parts. Cool. I've got... We've got like a specific part where you're going to... I don't know. I, I... <laughs> Decapitated? <laughs> oh, <fuck laughs> Rachel. I actually have no idea. Just depends how much we ramble. Because we've been in a really rambly mood today. Okay, so with guys, all of these fun fact, I, um... I have an autoimmune disease and I'm on a new medication for three months. So the next three months worth of episodes for you guys, I'm going to be a bit psycho. The medication kind of gives her ADHD like side effects. It's, it's so, yeah, I'm not going to say that it's like that because I have no idea what that's like. I feel I, like it's more amusing though in terms of like the podcast. It is more it's amusing. More, I'm, it's, sitting here, these episodes the I best, believe are our best The so best far. way I can describe it is I'm scatterbrained. Like my brain is everywhere and like nowhere at the same time. 
and punchy, which is not great for a true crime <laughs> podcast, but you know, it's funny, okay? It's fucking funny. Oh, it has to be something. Anyway, this was based, again, in Adelaide, South Australia on November 30th, 1948. So this is right after the war. Like, everyone's like coming back, you know, mm-hmm. the whole shebang. John Bain Lyons and his wife went on a seven o'clock morning stroll along Summerton Beach. As they were headed towards Glenelg, they noticed a smartly dressed man laying in the sand with his head propped up against a seawall about 20 metres away from them. With legs stretched out and feet crossed, the couple watched as the man lifted up his right arm and then let it fall back down again as with what appeared to Lyons to be a drunken attempt to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. I'm sorry, was he alive at this stage? Yes. <gasps> Half an hour later, on the couple's way back from their walk, they noticed that the same man was still lying there in the exact same position. Their wife noted again about how immaculately dressed this man was, with a, like, in a suit, pol- like, newly polished shoes. Which, which was time... And is for the not, place. And they were little, sitting on a beach. But we'd also just come back from war. It's not like we'd had... Like, it's not like everybody had access to that sort of... Attire? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was, like, November, so it's starting to get warmer as well. So he's sitting out there on the beach in a suit. I'm sorry, it's September, and I'm already, like, wearing shorts. I'm sitting here in my Udi. I mean, not right now. <laughs> but I tomorrow's meant to be once this week. Tomorrow's meant to be 13 degrees. That's okay, because I'm inside all day, so it's fine. I have to drive home. Do you have a heater? No! Oh, in my car, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant at home, no. <laughs> my house is an igloo. We've been through this. You thrive in the cold every time there's two blankets on this bed and i bet you won't use them no i'll sleep in the udi and i'll be fine with that i can't fucking believe you. like i'm actually kind of warm right now i cannot believe you anyway (laughs) (laughs) uh half an hour later the wife noted again about his clothes and all that which was very odd attire for the beach he was motionless motionless with his left arm splayed out on the sand the couple just assumed that the man was asleep and his face was surrounded by mosquitoes. Lyons even made a joke saying, quote, he must be dead to the world to not notice them, end quote. It wasn't bugs until... Bugs always... Bugs always are like the first thing. Yeah. Oh. It wasn't until the next morning when the same man was still laying on the beach without having moved a muscle that when, like... Lion saying dead to the world was leaning more towards truth rather than just a joke. Coming back from a swim in the ocean, he noticed a crowd of people gathered at the seawall. Walking over, he noticed a familiar figure still slumped over against the seawall. I'm sorry, this was the same guy that like still that came back and still saw the same. Yeah. Again, thought he was drunk. Shit. There weren't any obvious marks on the body to show any signs of violence, and there was a half-smoked cigarette lying on the man's collar as if it had fallen out of his mouth, mid-puff. The man's body reached the Royal Adelaide Hospital three hours later, where Dr. John John Barclay Bennett declared that the time of death was to be no earlier than 2am. It also was noted that the most likely cause of death was either heart failure or poisoning. The contents of the man's pockets were spread out across a table. Tickets from Adelaide, be- from Adelaide to the beach, a pack of chewing gum, some matches, two combs, and a pack of army club cigarettes containing seven, seven cigarettes from a completely different brand. And these were Kensitas? Kenistas? Kensitas. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't Sorry. think that's a brand anymore. K e n s i t a s. That's not a brand. In They're significantly anymore. more expensive than the 
Army Club cigarettes. But it was the Army Club packet? Yes. I mean, I to me, that doesn't seem super weird. Because I know that for a fact that my stepdad will have, like, multiple packs and he'll take more out of one and then put it into his pocket. Like, it, it to me, it's weird, but it, I mean, people do it. Okay. There was no wallet, no cash, no ID. None of his clothes bore any name tags, which wasn't actually too, like, out of the ordinary back then because, again, it was, like, during, like, the Cold War. So, new clothes were a very rare thing almost. So, clothes were constantly being passed around, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And tags would be cut off. So, him not having any any tags wasn't really that big of a, what the fuck? Oh, that wasn't weird? Not really. Because I am, I know that Because, like, if you're given clothes by someone and they have their name written on the tag... You don't want those clothes to go back to that person or someone well, with a similar name. Well, that's why I was going to say because so I know that when I've listened to this case before, there was like a theory that the cat tags were cut off because they had his name on it and people didn't want, like whoever did this didn't want his name to be known. See, when I, because uh, the first time I listened to this case was through a podcast yeah. and they mentioned how it wasn't actually that out of the ordinary. Ah, okay. So. See, the one that I listened to... That the, that podcast isn't even around anymore, and it's oh, really, okay. really sad. I wish that they were, but yeah. They were saying, you know, like, because they, um, they would go into, like, theories about cases. Yeah. And their sort of theory was that maybe the tags had been cut off because they did have his name written on them. That and, could be a possibility. And maybe that would be an identifier, and this person yeah. didn't want him to be identified. Who knows? Something. No one knows who this man is, so. Still? Uh, Yeah. Still? (laughs) I thought that was like a... No. Oh my god. I've been saying, this case is still unsolved 70 plus years later. It's still open. Oh. I hate that. I hate unsolved things. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I love it. I love, like, the conspiracy behind it. The, 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 sorry, catching up to the part where I was at. Um, uh, and one of his trouser pockets had been neatly repaired with an orange thread. Hmm. Yeah. When a full autopsy was carried out, the carried up carried out the following day. The post mortem did little to shed new light on the situation, and police had already exhausted all of their main leads to the man's identity. Can I ask something? Yes. With the autopsy, was there a tox screen done? A like, what? did they... They said that his cause of death could have been, like, heart attack or... Poisoning. Uh, poisoning. Did they do a tox screen? Like, a toxicity screen? To show whether he was poisoned? We'll get into that. Okay. What was found was that the man's pupils were smaller than normal, and a dribble of spit had run down the man's mouth as he laid... On the autopsy autopsy table. Oh. This was ruled off as he was probably unable to swallow it when he died. (laughs) His spleen was described as strikingly large and firm, about three times the normal size. And the liver was filled to the point of being swollen with congested blood. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Do you see why this case intrigues me? If you don't tell me that one of the theories is... One of the theories is aliens. I'm going to be very disappointed. It's not. Fuck's sakes. <laughs> I mean, there's probably someone out there. Oh, for sure. There's always... It's always a but theory of aliens. <laughs> I don't think so. No, neither do I, but always, there's always... There are more believable conspiracies that we'll get but into. But every single time there's anything that's, like, unexplained, people are like... Look, I don't know, <laughs> aliens. but it's aliens. <laughs> like, that's it. Pathologist John Dwyer... I think, found the remains of his last meal, a pasty, along with more blood, which further suggested that the man had died of poisoning, though there was no indication that the pasty itself had been poisoned. Right. If the man was poisoned, it would be explain it would explain his behaviour on the beach. Slumped against the wall in a suit, raising and dropping his right arm seemed less like drunkenness and more like the effects of a slow working lethal dose. Mm-hmm. But even so, repeated tests done by expert chemists found no trace of any poison in the blood or in any of the organs, meaning that a cause of death was yet to be found. 
was his spleen was literally about to fucking explode. That might do it. <laughs> <laughs> On top of these, there were some other peculiar. Your fingers are fucking cold. Sorry, I don't so- touch my feet. I moved before and my ankle like popped and I. Oh, hurt. <laughs> uh, on top of these, there were other peculiarities found about the man. He had extremely high and very well-developed calf muscles, although in his late 40s. Did you say extremely high? As in, like, they sat high? No, like, they were, like, thick. Like, he had, like, some <laughs> yeah, thick-ass like, calf muscles. Like, they were, like, extremely pronounced and all that. Like, but, yeah. like... High. Like, so like, like. Oh, yeah. okay. She's just motioning to me. Yeah. But like, uh, I, I actually thought you just meant they were higher up on his leg. Oh, and I was yeah. very confused. Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's a weird case. I don't know. <laughs> um, and although in his late 40s, he had the legs of an athlete. Oh. Meanwhile, his toes were oddly wedge shaped as if he had a habit of wearing heeled shoe, heeled and pointed shoes. His foot shape, however, can also be found along ballet dancers, which strike up the, which strikes up the question of whether the deceased man happened to be a ballet dancer. Well, that would explain the calf muscles too, and it would explain the toes. Yeah, it would explain all of his physical attributes. Yeah. Yes, all of these physical factors left the coroner Thomas Cleland extremely puzzled. The only practical solution was given to him by uh, by a professor called Sir Cedric Stanton Hicks. The professor informed Cleland that it was a very rare poison that had been used, one that had the ability to decompose very early after death, leaving no trace. The only poisons capable of doing this were so dangerous and deadly that Professor Hicks refused to say their names out loud in court and instead handed Cleland a piece of scrap paper with the poison's names written on it. Mm. These poisons were Digitalis and Strop. Thin? I'm sorry. Nothing that anybody of us have access to. No. Actually, we'll oh, get into that. Okay. <laughs> With Professor Hicks leaning towards the latter. So he thought it was a stropathin? Stropathin. S-T-R-O-P-H-A-N-T-H-I-N. Can I see it? Yeah. That one. Stropathin? Strophanthin? Strophanthin? Is it pH? Yeah. Strophanthin? We'll go with that. Is a rare glyoside. Did I say that word right? I can't see your notes. I should say, yeah. Glyoside, yeah. Derived from the seeds of some African plants and was historically used by a small and not well-known Somali tribe in their poisoned arrows. Ooh, alrighty. Yeah. With more questions now than ever, police continued their investigation. The man's fingerprints were taken and circulated throughout both Australia and the English-speaking world but no one could identify them. I'm oh, sorry, did you say, like, all of the English-speaking world? Yeah. I mean, yeah, this case has been unsolved for 70-plus years. No, this was, so everybody this was would be still within to, the first few months. But everybody would be trying to... Well, because it's puzzling. Like, everybody wants to solve it. Like, no one knows the cause of death. No one knows an identity. No one has any leads. And nothing. they went throughout their entire English-speaking... Yeah, so, like, uh, England, America, like, Europe... My God. Yep. Um, I wonder if he did speak English, or if they could determine his exact ethnicity now. No idea. But say they traced his... The dude's buried now. (laughs) I was going to say, but, like, say they traced his genetic... Because I don't know that they could have done this then, but, you know, like, Ancestry.com sort of thing. Like, trace his ancestry, found out exactly where he was from, and that narrowed down the search... Maybe. But obviously they But at the same time, his body has decomposed for like 70 years, so... There's little they can do now. I wonder if they would have taken samples during... We'll we'll, we'll get into it. Hmm. Just let me get into it. It's interesting. Police... Not police. People from all over Australia were taken to the mortuary in hopes that someone could identify the corpse. 
Some claim to have known the man from photos published in the newspapers, and others were distraught relatives of missing people. Mm. However, the body continued to remain unnamed and unidentified. Meanwhile, they're just keeping it, keeping his body in the morgue, just because he's unidentified. Yep. My God. By January 11th, so this is about three months since they got found the body, the South... Yeah, the South Australian police had investigated and dismissed close to all of their leads. The case was widened in an attempt to locate any abandoned luggage or personal belongings to the man, suggesting that he had come from out of state. The police checked every hotel, dry cleaner, lost property office and railway station within proximity to where the man was originally found. On the 12th, detectives who were checking out Australia's main railway station were guided to a brown suitcase that had been deposited in the cloakroom on the 30th of November, the last day the man was known to be alive. Oh, I have chills. This is, like, freaking me out. It's so fascinating, isn't it? I only remember, like, very minimal from this case. So, like, this is exciting. It is a very exciting case. So... Something that's awesome about this case is that there are photos online of all the evidence. Mm. So there's photos of the suitcase. And we will have this all on the Instagram. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend go check it out because it's... Oh, this case intrigues me. Staff couldn't recall anything about the owner of the suitcase and the contents of the suitcase itself didn't reveal much either. The suitcase held a reel of orange thread, the same used to patch the man's trouser pocket... A stencil kit typically used by the third officer on merchant ships responsible for the stenciling of cargo, a table knife, <laughs> and a handle with the handle cut down, and a coat stitched using a feather stitching unknown in Australia. The stitching was identified by a tailor to have been of American origin, suggesting that perhaps the coat itself or and or the owner travelled during the war, but searches of shipping and immigration records from across the country produced no likely leads. That cat. Should I let him in? He's going to be scratching at the door. No, just leave him. He'll be all over us. I just, he will. Yeah. The suitcase itself itself um, was stripped clean of any identifiable features, no stickers or markings, and the label had been torn off from one side. All but three items of clothing from inside the case had the labels removed, much like the ones on the deceased man's suit. These labels bore the name Keen or T-Ki-Ni? One is spelled K-E-A-N, and the other one is spelled K-E-A-N-E. Keen, I guess. Keen and Keeny. <laughs> I think it would still be Keen because I would still pronounce Keen with yeah. an E in the end. But still, the, the it's slightly different spelling spell, still. It's interesting that they spell differently. Yeah, because if that's your actual last name, why would you? Why, why would, would you spell it differently? Why would you misspell your own name? I feel like, why, especially like yeah. it's like an E at the end of your name. So like, even if you had like forgotten to put your E in, you can go back in and add the E. It's yeah. not like. For, like, my last name, if I forgot, like, the L. Like, anyway. But both were deemed impossible to trace. Police concluded with the suggestion from an Adelaide newspaper that someone, quote, had purposefully left them on, knowing that the dead man's name was not Keen or Keeney. That's what I was going to say is... That's the reason. It was probably dead for them off. I was literally going to say that would be the only possible explanation to me that they spelt it weird. Like, they just made a name and then, like, forgot to put the E on it because they, that's not their name. Yeah. Like, that's the only possible but explanation But at the same time, like, we'll, we'll go into oh. it. I'll go into it later with the theories because I fucking love the theories part of this case. Uh, police brought in another expert, John Cleland, not the same as Thomas Cleland. So Thomas mm-hmm. Cleland is the guy from before. They just had the same last name. Professor of Pathology at the University of Adelaide to re-examine both of the cor- both the corpse and the man's possessions. Four months after the discovery of the man's body, this is in April. Is that right? Yeah, no, we'll just go with it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Thomas's examination produced one final piece of evidence, one that would appear more baffling than any other. Cleland discovered a small pocket sewn in the waistband of the man's trousers mm-hmm. that other examinators had missed. Several accounts of the case have referred to it as a secret pocket, but it seems to be intended to hold a fob watch or pocket watch. Mm-hmm. And inside the pocket was a tightly screwed up scrap of paper. The paper held two words on it in elaborate printed script, which read Tamam Shud, with its English translation meaning it is ended. A police reporter for the Adelaide Advertiser, Frank Kennedy, recognised the words as Persian. He found the word the he found the words. <laughs> he found the police and suggested that they obtain a copy of the Rubaiyat of Omar Kayam 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 poetry. It's a poetry book. It was very popular. The English translation done by Edward Fitzgerald of this book became widely popular across Australia during the war. This book existed in numerous, numerous different editions, but libraries, publishers, and bookshops were unable to find an edition that matched this type of font used. Mm. Again, you can find this on Instagram. Like, the little note Wait, that was This type up. of font. So it, wasn't, it was a very peculiar font. But it wasn't, it wasn't handwritten. No. It, like was, it was like printed. It was, like, so it was like part of a page. Yes, like ah. it was, was like so a like, scrap ripped out of a out of a book. Oh, that's so Hang weird. On. Let me. Oh, that's not my laptop. Let me quickly try and. I can look it up on my phone. No, it's okay. I've got it. I can just go to the website that I was using for history. Here we go. So that's the font used. Oh, that's very bizarre. Yeah. It's very specific. It is very specific. So yeah. they were trying to find a book that matched matched this font, like an edition of book that matched this font, but they yeah. couldn't find it anywhere. It's nowhere in Australia. When uh, taking the police into consideration, the death appears more like a suicide. In fact, the South Australian police always kept the case as a missing persons case and never turned it into a full-blown murder investigation. Ah, because otherwise they would have changed it to homicide. Yeah. Although this information did give little insight, it still didn't identify the now decomposing man. Arrangements were made for his burial, but worried that they were about to bury the the very few key... That's literally all they've got. (laughs) Aside from his belongings. Yeah. If they were his. (laughs) Police decided to embalm slash preserve the corpse and have a cast taken of the head and upper torso. The body was then buried and sealed under concrete in a plot of dry ground in case a scenario was to ever arise where they needed to exhume the man. Mm, Well, that's very smart. Yep. As late as 1978, flowers could be found in odd intervals on the grave, but no one ever knew exactly who left them there and why. It literally could have been anyone, though. Like, if, if this has been... Like, it's a publicised case. Just, it, just wait until we get further into the case. Okay. <laughs> In July, only eight months after the investigation opened, the search for the Persian transcript book finally came back with results. On the 23rd, a Glenelg man walked into the detective office in Adelaide with a copy of the book accompanied with a strange story. Back in December, just after the discovery of the man's body, this man had gone out for yeah. This man had gone out for a drive with his brother-in-law in a car he had happened to park a few hundred meters from Summerton Beach. The brother-in-law found a copy of the book lying on the floor of the back seats, and each of them just silently assumed that the book belonged to one another, hmm. and it was left in the car's glove box compartment ever since. What? Yep. <laughs> Their attention was brought back to the unclaimed book when they came across an article in the newspaper about the search. Upon mm. further inspect- inspection, they found that the last page of the book had been torn out of the book. <gasps> With uh, this, they were able to turn the book into the police. Well, now they know what the book <clears throat> is, they can find another copy of it and see what page was ripped out. Well, no, because like they know which page was ripped out. They have the page. 
like the specific page aside from the piece of that was torn. Yeah, so that like it was that's what was torn out. Because like, but it was like, like we, a scrap of that torn out page, well, or is it like the whole page wasn't torn out? It was just I, that scrap. It, no, it was just like so. Like that might have been the only text on the page, but like it was still ripped out. Like, oh, I think that was all, that was all that was on it. I think. Okay. <clears throat> Detective Sergeant Lionel Leany, Leanne, Leanne, I think it's Leanne, took a closer look into the book and noticed a phone number penciled on the rear cover and while using a magnifying glass he was able to make out the faint impression of some letters written in capitals underneath. Mm. The phone number ended up being unlisted but it proved to belong to a young nurse who lived near Summerton Beach. Like how the two Glenelg men who turned in the missing book, she was never publicly identified. Disappointingly, though, the South Australian men, like police of 1949, weren't really respectful of her wanting to stay away from like the public eye, and her name was kind of leaked, and she was known by her nickname, which was Jestin. Hesitantly, she confessed to have given a copy of the Rubaiyat to a man she had known during the war and then, uh, named the man as a Alfred Bullock. Bo- Boxel? Fucking English. Alfred Boxel. For the first time in this case, the police felt as if they'd finally identified this deceased man as this Alfred Boxel. And within days, they had tra- traced down his home to Marabra, New South Wales. The only problem was that Boxel was very much still alive and still <laughs> possessed the copy of the Rubaiyat that Justin had given him. The book even bore the nurse's inscription that was completely intact. What the fuck? <laughs> but how the fuck does that work? <laughs> once, they, <laughs> once they deemed that the lead was a dead end, the South Australian police questioned Justin a little bit further and found out something more. Jessa recalled that sometime the previous year, although she could not remember when, she came home to her neighbours reporting that there was a strange unknown man who had called and asked for her. Police showed her the cast previously made of the unknown man and Justin looked, quote, completely taken back, to the point of giving the appearance she was about to faint, end quote. Her body language said that she recognised the man, yet verbally she denied having, having ever known him. Pause for effect. But, but, uh, I know. My eyes are literally watering. This is is what happens when I, like, don't know what's going on. My (laughs) my brain can't fucking handle it. It leaks. My brain leaks when I can't understand. (laughs) Like, there's actual tears in my eyes. I'm not crying. I'm just, like, it's... Every time I listen to something that I don't know... Or that like scares me. I start see when I watch my, horror I movies. Watching. I cry. But I see. I'm not crying. Like I'm not. Oh no! I very obviously cry. <laughs> like I'm not crying. My eyes were just like water, and I get like chills all over. So yeah. this is just what's happening. <laughs> Again, do you see why I wanted to do this case so badly? But why the inscription though? I know. Oh, that's oh. Okay. Again, there's theories. Okay. Going back to the copy of the Rubaiyat the police had in their possession. When the book was placed under ultraviolet light, five lines of jumbled letters could be seen with the second line crossed out. The first three were set apart from the last two lines with the use of two straight lines with an X written over them. (laughs) Thank you for your input. (laughs) I hope people can hear that. They definitely will be able to with this mic. Um... Thank you. These my cat's just screaming. Just ignore him. Uh, it appeared to be some sort of code. Breaking a code from only a small amount of text is proven to be difficult, but the police still attempted to crack it. They ended up sending the message to the naval intelligence, home to Australia's top cipher experts, and even allowed the message to be published in the press. A lot of amateur attempts were submitted, all seeming to be pretty much worthless. And like, just <laughs> while writing this, like, 
yesterday, I just had this like image pop through my mind. And like, imagine this little kid being like, oh my god, I'm gonna solve this case. Just for a police officer to be like, it's fucking useless. It's <laughs> worthless. How dare you? are nothing. Ruin this little kid's dream. Just imagine oh, that. God. Um, and the Navy sent out a message concluding that the code appeared to be unbreakable. Uh, from the manner in which the lines had been represented as being set out in the, the original, it is evident that the end of each line indicates a break in sense. Quote, there is an insufficient number of letters for, for definite conclusions to be based on al- an- analysis. Jesus Christ. But the indications together with the acceptance of the above breaks in sense indicate in so far can be seen that the letters do not constitute any kind of simple cipher or code. The frequency of the occurrence of letters, whilst inconclusive, corresponds more favourably with the table of frequencies of initial letters of words in English rather than any other table. Accordingly, a reasonable explanation would be that the lines are the initial letters of words of a verse of poetry or such like. End quote. After this, the mystery, the mystery of the Summerton Man remained uncracked. The code to this day still had yet to be deciphered and the identity of the man also has yet to be revealed. Jeston ended up dying back in about the 2010s. No. Until the day she died, never revealed why she appeared to be so no! when confronted with Fuck. a dead man's cast. That's like your only hope. Yep. You're oh. really tearing up. You okay? I'm real bad. <laughs> <laughs> when the South Australian coroner published the final results of the investigation, it concluded, quote, I am, un- I am unable to say who the deceased is. I am unable to say how he dies of what, well, how he dies or what the cause of death was. They still don't have a cause of death? Nope. Fuck. They have suspicions, but they don't have any hard evidence to go off of it. I hate again, that. if a poison, like one of those poisons was used, those poisons go away almost completely straight after death. So there is no evidence. Wow. There is literally nothing to go off of. Over the past 20 or so years, the case started gaining more attraction and more amateurs tried to... Like, they tried to probe at the loose ends of the case left by police. Some of them solved one or two, like, minor mysteries, but inevitably often created new questions. Meanwhile, only two individuals so far have made any particular progress on the case. A retired Australian police officer, Gary Feltis, and Professor Derek Abbott? Yeah, Professor Derek Abbott of the University of Adelaide. Mm. Actually, I think we might be able to fit this all in in one um, episode. Cool. I think it'll be under an hour. because we've got no banter because I'm just fucking stumped. It's fascinating, is it not? It is. I fucking love this case. I couldn't research this case, though. I get insane. Dude, I enjoyed it so much. I literally stayed up till two o'clock. That's why you said she messaged me in all caps and goes, I finished the case. And I was like, dude, go to sleep. It's 2am. <laughs> what? I had to finish it. Plus by the time, like when I was ready to go to sleep at like one o'clock, I had like two paragraphs left to do. And I was like, you know what? I might as well just smash it. Oh, Cause yeah. I still had to drive up here. So yeah, I just did it. It's well known that the man's man's remains identif- fuck. It's well known that the man remains un- unidentified, but was in one way or another connected to Jeston. And even if he wasn't, the nurse's shocked response to the body cast was very telling, to say the least. Questions were raised, such as might the solution be found in her activities during World War Two. Did she regularly give copies of the Rubaiyat to other male friends? And if so, might the Somerton man be a former boyfriend, thus explaining why she didn't want to confess while still being whilst being in a relationship with another man? Because while this was happening, she was living with the man who would go on to be her husband. Oh, scandal. Yes. Professor Abbott researched definitely supported such questions and was able to trace Justin enough to discover that she had a son. When comparing photos of Justin's son to the Somerton man, there were 
a lot of similarities. Fuck, I want genetic testing. (laughs) My god. The Somerton man during his autopsy was described to have very well-built calf muscles and oddly shaped toes that indicated that he either wore heels or was a dancer. And upon further investigation, it was found that the son of Justin went on to live to be a successful ballet dancer. Oh my god, I mean, I don't, I don't know how like much I... This raised oh. the question of whether the unidentified man was in fact the boy's father and if he killed himself when he could not see his child. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's what happened, but like, I feel like the son thing is a thing. Yeah. Um... Jesus. There's no way There's, they can I, test that. The podcast that I listened to that initially like brought my attention to this case, I th- I won't be able to tell like exactly quote for quote what they said, but there's something about like the ear shape of the Sumpton man. Like mm. the upper part yeah. of his ear is like apparently like well, like it might be the other way around, but it's like larger, while in most people it's smaller. And that's like, the same with the sun. So that is within it's such a very uncommon thing. thing. Like, no, very uncommon. That has to be it. Yeah. So could this be a result of an affair? Who knows? Some argue that this theory is implausible due to the nature of the deceased man's death. How like how credible is it that someone would go to as far as to get their hands on to one of two very extreme like extremely extremely rare drugs over something more readily available like a gun or something i think that she has something to do with it though though both digitalis and strafafin can be found at the chemist what they can be found at the chemist what what the fuck do you mean they can be found at the chemist they are not found in anything that can be casually bought over the counter but both poisons are used as muscle relaxants to treat heart diseases. Why? <laughs> the exotic death of the Southampton man suggests that to some that he was possibly a spy. Or he had like a heart condition and he just had that medication. No, and but he just that decided would that to... would show up in the autopsy, would it not? Oh, I hate this. Alfred Bollocks had worked in intelligence during his time serving the war. This was the guy who police thought the Summerton Man was. Um, and the Summerton Man did die at the same time of the Cold War. A few hundred kilometers kilometers out. Okay, sorry. A few hundred kilometers outside of Adelaide was one of the most se- top secret bases in the world. Uh, where it is suspected by some that this was where the poison was administered to him via tobacco, and this would explain why he had a different <gasps> brand of tobacco, like cigarettes, inside of yeah, and that's why he died mid smoke. Oh, fuck! This is juicy. <laughs> Those th- though these theories are far fetched. There are two main theories that Tamam should uh, that point towards this case being suicide. The first is that the copy of the Rubaiyat handed to the police back in 1949 is apparently impossible to track down. A near-identical version was found published by a New Zealand bookstore chain by the name of Whitcomb and Tombs. The near-identical version shared the same book cover, only its printer was in a more, like, square of font. Abbott discovered that there was another man identified as George Marshall found in Australia after the war with a copy of the Rubaiyat close to his person when he died. Very similar to our Summerton man. Marshall was a Jewish immigrant from Singapore and he had held possession of the seventh edition of the Rubaiyat. At first glance, his death looks more like a coincidence and the published... But... The publisher who published the seventh edition, Methuen, I think it's called, and libraries located all around the world were inquired, and it suggested that there was never more than five editions of Methuen's Reviot. What? So how the fuck is there a seventh? That's not a thing. What the fuck? Making Marsha's book as non-existent as the Summerton Man's book was. Might uh- the books not have been at all? Or, but rather some sort of disguised spy gear to identify them. 
Oh my fucking god, what? <laughs> this brings us to the final mystery. When going through the police file for the case, Gary Felters noticed that there was a statement that had been neglected and always pushed aside. A man gave a statement back in 1959 that on the day the Somerton man was presumed to have died on, the man saw another man carrying another on his shoulder near the water's edge. Although he could not describe the man at the time, the man thought it was someone carrying their drunken friend. Sorry, that pause was not intended. I just brain farted. (laughs) (laughs) Might he not have been known as the unknown man at all? Uh, Might the body have been found the next morning have been the one on the stranger's shoulder? And if so, might it's conceivably... What? What the fuck did I write? So, this was all at, like, two... Like, this part was at two o'clock in the morning. I was delirious. Mm -hmm. And if so, might this conceivably suggest that this really was a case involving spies and a murder? And that's all my research. (sighs) It has to be a government thing because there's no way all of this shit... Is like this is so much. Like this is so in depth. Do you want another um, conspiracy that I don't have written here? Yeah, I completely forgot to write this part down because it wasn't in the source that I got a lot of this information was, but it wasn't that podcast I'd be mentioning. I will try and find the name of the podcast and the episode, and I will put it in the um, episode description for you guys because it is very interesting and I highly suggest it. I think the podcast is called Not Today. Really interesting. Highly suggest. Um, but it is also theorized that the man had an affair Mm -hmm. and was a spy. Sorry, let me collect my thoughts. (laughs) It's Um, already very juicy. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's kind of theorized that he went off to war being a spy and like originally he'd fallen in love with this girl, like Jestin. And they had a baby together. Like, they had, like, either a one-night stand, but he fell in love with her. And when he came back from the war to confess her, like, his love and to, like, marry the woman who bears his child, he finds out that she's with another man. Mm-hmm. And then it's theorised that he killed himself out of grief and, like, Romeo and Juliet. Well, I was going to say something along the lines of maybe not because he couldn't see his child, but maybe because she was with someone else. Yeah. Hmm. So, I personally reckon that he was a spy. There ha- there's no way he's not, quite honestly. Like, the fact that that book wasn't even in print, and then the fact that there was the inscription, but that wasn't... His, fi- like, his... He, if he had gone to the ward, there would be, like, his thumbprints impressions somewhere in the database. Yes, there would. But there was nothing. The only reason that he would be completely off the grid is if he, they had actively tried to remove him from it. Yes. So whether he knew something and went to tell his lover, I love you, like, one last time, and found out that she was not with another man, and that drew him over the edge... And whether he was being hunted because he knew information he wasn't meant to know, or... There is... There, there, there are I, endless theories. 100% somebody knows. 100%. There's no but fucking the way that somebody doesn't know. one person who probably know. does is now dead. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. But, like, somebody knows something. Because there's no way that those things all just... Ha- like, there is somebody who helped in making him not exist. CIA Chinese and like yeah Chinese and <laughs> if you guys don't understand that go back to last week's episode oh my god I'm a fucking dumbass and I you looking at my toes please don't look at my toes <laughs> thank you um but yeah that's that's the case of the Summerton man and as I said before he still remains unidentified no one knows his name who he is and the case remains unsolved that's insane. No cause of death, no name, nothing. That's crazy. We don't even know for sure. Like, it's very possible that the suitcase did belong to him because it had the exact same type of orange thread in the suitcase yeah. that he had sewn his pocket with. But whether or not like that actually belonged to him or not, that's unknown. Mm. Yeah. That's so... It's a fascinating case. I hate that so much. So much. Cases like this actually get me giddy. 
because they fascinate I me so much. I though. I just love the thinking side of it. That's why I like like conspiracy theories because you sit there and you're like, is that actually possible? Is that plausible? And if so, what evidence supports that? Ooh, I love the analytics. There's so many side questions now. Yeah, but I like I that. I'm gonna sleep after this, man. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna sleep. I'm gonna message you at five a.m. and I'll be like, "What about this? <laughs> what do you think about this?" <laughs> under an hour not even mine was like that and i thought mine was gonna be like 40 minutes this was literally over three thousand words long yeah i'm very surprised it's because there was no banter because we always no. caught up with banter but there was no i had nothing to say like seriously like, there was nothing to last say. week's episode was over an hour long but that's because it was filled with us just shit talking this, that asshole <laughs> understandably you guys will know if you listen to that episode and if you don't shame on you (laughs) (laughs) fake fan (laughs) shit yeah I had nothing to say you just ruined your makeup (laughs) my eyes are watering that entire time every time there's something weird like every time I'm listening to something weird or like something that I don't know it my eyes water Right. It's a very bizarre thing. It's I do happened, it when I'm scared. It's happened my entire life. If there's something that I don't know, it's literally when I don't know something. Yeah. Because, fun fact, also when I'm singing to a song that I don't know, my eyes will water. Really? Yeah. Or if I'm listening to a spooky case that, like, I, you know, like, like if I'm listening to a paranormal episode, because, like, I don't know... About oh yeah, the paranormal gets me crying too. <laughs> it, but it like it's not me crying; it's just my eyes start to water, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. And then like if there's like mysteries, conspiracy theories, um, like literally if I if I'm singing the words to a song that I don't know well yet, my eyes will start to water. That is every so time weird. my brain doesn't know something, my eyes start to water. It's frustration cries. Baby. It's I doesn't even I have it's no idea. Like I don't control it at all, and I don't feel bizarre. anything. Like, I'm not sad. I'm not angry. I'm not... bitch. <laughs> I don't feel anything. <laughs> no, it's very bizarre. I'm... That is very weird. I'm a psychological study in itself. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, who the fuck's... Like, fuck, um... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fuck. No, screw, like, neurologists, like, studying these psychopaths and, like, these like, sociopaths. Study just... me. Take out your brain. That'll oh. be a joy ride and a half. It's interesting. I don't know. I have so many weird things like that. Yeah. Every time my brain doesn't know something, my eyes water. That is very weird. Yeah. Or like even when I'm trying to work something out. So say like I'm trying to figure something out in my head, my eyes will start to water. Like if I can't figure it out, my eyes will start to water. That is so weird. I don't know what it is. Are you okay? No. <laughs> Did you expect a positive reaction to that question? No, I wasn't, honestly. Ugh. Oh, God. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Because this is a very... Like, I was expecting this to be a lot longer. I was expecting this to be in two parts. I don't actually know. Um, we... The first episode we recorded today, because we record all of our episodes at the time, I talked about... The girl who yeah. was reported missing like a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, this will be a more than a week ago for you guys, but for us it's still a week ago. This will be like a month ago. Yeah. Now. Um, Even over that, because this is... I just... Yeah. Gabby. Okay. Gabby Petito. I really hope that there's something that's come out about that. I really... I really hope that her family's had some closure... Yeah, I hope especially by the time this episode is released, I hope there's, I hope they get something. I hope that they keep searching the national park, and they find anything. I just hope her family has some sort of closure by when this episode is uploaded. Obviously, when we, I hope they catch that asshole. Yeah, he's not missing. He's hiding. He's fucking hiding, pussy bitch. 
this at the time of us recording this that's the current situation i really hope that something has come up by the next time we record we might have more on the situation and we will try maybe an to- update on the instagram as well like i said yeah. we're following it i'll leave that to you because i didn't yeah. even know about this until you mentioned it today i'll follow it like if there's an update i'll post the update as well okay yeah yeah Anything else you want to add? No, I don't think no. so. Normally we banter a lot, but after this case, I just we're had silent. nothing to say. I don't know. I have no theories that weren't like presented. Really, yeah. I just oh, I so wish that there could have been something to do with like something with his genetics, like something found with his genetics. Because I feel like a lot of it could be solved with his genetics. Yeah. But at the same time, this was all done in, like, the 1940s, I mean, 1950s. Well, that's the thing. Clearly, the, if there was something that could have been done with the genetics, they would have done it. The fact that they, they even went it. as far as to do, like, fingerprint comparisons. Oh, yeah, they did good, but like, it's just... See what I mean? They actually fucking tried. But yeah, I just I assume that if there was something that could have been done with that, then they would have done it. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe, because, like, going off the spy thing again... Mm. Um. So you know how in uh, fucking Captain America the movie, mm-hmm. how when Captain America, what, Steve? Steve. <laughs> I got confused whether that was the actor's name or not. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> when Steve Rogers captures that Nazi soldier and he bites the thing under his thumb and that kills him, like because he's got like a poison mm. tablet under his thumbnail. What if he had been compromised? as a spy and the only way to get out of it was to kill suicide like a Nazi soldier and they would have access to those to those poisons of course they would yeah because then it goes from your system and nobody would know who the fuck you are because it's not traceable yep ah and then if you do have any loved ones (laughs) if you do have any loved ones or relatives who might know something you're not traceable they can't be found. Your family isn't in danger. No. Wow. Yeah. So there's so many theories. Also, this and is... if that family is aware of it all, they would know the risks of coming out and being like, yep, that's my son. They wouldn't do it. So they wouldn't. But I think that usually if you're a spy, you don't you have don't any ties. Yeah. You, you either don't have off. ties whatsoever or there's nothing that can tie... Like, there's nothing that can tie you back to them. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Also, this is not related whatsoever to the case. Okay. Um, but my auntie's cat's name is Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Rachel. Thank you so not much. Not just cat, though, but, like, her kitten. And it's really, really funny. Because it's, like... A, I fucking love it when people give, like, the like animals very human names. Yeah. No, like, her kitten, is na- his name is Steve. So we just go to our house and like there's this little kitten running around and we're like, hi Steve. Like it's so, it's so funny. Like at least with like all of our cats between the two of us. We have seven cats between the two of us. Oh my God. But like mine are Luna and Willow and yours are Spano and Jax and Prowley and... I'm very fucked up my cat's name. Jax. Jax. Is it not? Jazz. Fuck. <laughs> We named them all when we were kids, and half of them are named after Transformers. See, I love the name Luna, and for a while, like early teenage years, I wanted like my firstborn daughter to be called it's Luna. It's such a pretty name. It is a pretty name, until I gave it to my fucking cat. I love that. Now it would just be weird if you gave it to your Yeah, daughter. exactly. So no, I can't, but it's okay. I've got also, a, Willow. I've got a better name now. Mum gave. Um, that's such a pretty name though yeah but now if I name my daughter Willow it's gonna be after your cat I'm sorry (laughs) I don't mind I would still probably do it the names are actually very suiting for our cats Luna's nickname is Loopy Luna or Lunatic (laughs) she goes fucking bunter I'm oh my god she's the fattest fucking cat have you ever seen a fat cat run like sprint (laughs) around the house she does that like clockwork every night about 7 o'clock 6, 7 o'clock after dinner fucking laps no idea how she's so fat but fucking pelts those laps <laughs> and she's an arsehole she's actually an arsehole Willow would just be sitting there on the couch just enjoying her life and then Luna will come up and smack her across the face <laughs> and then run off and it's like <laughs> that was uncalled for for one and second of all you're just a bitch <laughs> 
And I happen to name her. So, thanks for being a fucking asshole. <laughs> I love that. Also, she doesn't like cuddles. I try to pick her up. For, like, she'll come up to me and be like, cuddles? And I'll pick her up to give her cuddles. She's like, no. <laughs> Fuck off. Arnie's like, the Arnie was like, Arnie is my rescue cat. And then the other four cats I have are from like the yeah, same Yeah, but that, that's understandable. Arnie's a rescue cat. But he's Moon doing the bitch. so well now though. He is. He's doing so well. He like sleeps on like my pillow now. He really stinky me. though. Oh my god, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with his insides. But I feed him <laughs> normal cat food and none of my other cats smell that bad. He's healthy, don't worry. Like he's been to the vet and he's fine. He's a bit chonky, but we still love him. Yeah, but even when he went on a diet, his like his poops smell so Oh my bad. God. I remember so one time bad. when I was in there and I, well, like, I went in there and I, to get something and I had to evacuate the room and I went, Rachel, you have to sort that out. I it will literally sort it out so immediately bad. and you can still smell it throughout the entire house. It's so bad. insane. And he, like, it smells like he's decomposing That's on the, the room inside. you sleep in as well. Like, I don't know how you sleep in there. By the way, the only reason I have a little tray in my room is because I can't have him in the rest of the house. So he has, like, a cat run connected to my bedroom like my mum and I literally cut a like hole out of the flat screen in my window so that we could put attach like a cat run to the outside of the house so that he could have like an outside area as well so that um because he's all my other cats are brothers so they all get along but he's my rescue and I when I moved in with my mum, I brought him with me. He gets along with Prowley, but... Yeah, because that's because I had them, yeah. them living together for a while, so they're fine. Pretty much all of the cats are fine with him, except for Spano and Indy. Yeah. Yeah. So the other two are fine. So but it's so sad, because, like, Arnie will see them, or, like, see any cat, and will just run and hide, and it breaks my heart. You think it's bad with the cats? You should see when he sees a human child. Really? He's terrified of children. Oh, maybe he had some sort of like trauma. That I mean, his children? previous owners threw him into a ceiling fan. It took months to be able to just turn on a fan around him. But we did it. We're doing so well. He's so good now. Like he's he's goes out of his comfort zone. The other cats, when they end up going outside, he comes in and he roams the entire house now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, last time I was here, last time we were recording, I was in this room, the spare room. Yeah, he usually comes into and these two rooms. Yeah, he came in here. And yeah, he was but he goes into me. the kitchen now, too, sometimes, if I'm out there cooking. Yeah. He'll sit in the doorway with me. Yeah. He's I'm so proud so well. of him. He's such a good boy. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably wrap up this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want more episodes like this that are, like more conspiracy based where like you don't get to find out the ending because I like doing the research on them um please tell us uh, email us or tell us on Instagram didn't want more conspiracy theories when I did the th- uh... wait they did or didn't they didn't when I oh. when I did the poll they didn't want any more conspiracy theories but I feel like unsolved cases are something that we should do more of yeah I feel you like it's mainly with the Macbeth that was a bit out of line for we advertise that was so fun though it was very fun yeah but we're true true crime and conspiracy but unsolved cases we should do more of because you should do more of yeah i'll do more research on (laughs) i'll do more unsolved cases because i feel like they're more interesting for Mm -hmm. our audience Mm -hmm. um because macbeth and murder have nothing to do with each other (laughs) there's some unsolved cases in the books that i've got yeah yeah, awesome. Um, still one. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Terrastralis Podcast and on Twitter at Astralis Terror. Got it that time. If you have any of your own terror tales, any stories you want us to cover, or any of your own little hauntings or like hometown murders, please send us. Oh my god, th- I would love to do a hometown murder series of yes. terror tales. Yes. Please email them to us at Terrastralis podcast at gmail.com and follow us on any of the streaming platforms that you are currently listening to us to that hi- they, that really helps support us so please yeah. do that um, be sure to like and follow and if you guys want you can subscribe to our YouTube channel um, probably Terrorist we're going to be doing podcast visuals there so just the podcast episodes but with the visuals and it's super funny when I figure out 
the fucking like, the technicalities behind it. Mm-hmm. We'll only have one by the time you hear this episode. It was a very funny episode though. <laughs> I fucking shat myself laughing oh. at that one. You laughed so much. It was great. <laughs> you guys get to see my silent laughter. It's great. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, and we hope to catch you on the flip side. Bye, Terrace. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.